If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to John 1, verse 6. And we are actually going to reread a couple of verses that we looked at two weeks ago in the opening uh, chapter of John and take a deeper dive into some of the themes of John's gospel as we uh, celebrate Advent and Christmas together this morning and finish our study of John's prologue or introduction. Uh, We are in chapter 1, about 75% of the way through your Bibles, chapter 1 of John picking up in verse 6, John writes this. Uh, He says, In him, uh, the Logos, was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Let's pray. Jesus, as we celebrate Advent together this morning and the beauty and implication of you being the light of all mankind, the light of the world, uh, come in flesh and blood into this world and in fact into our lives, Lord. I pray that you would bring uh, a spirit of freedom in this place, that your light would shine into places that perhaps we have not allowed it to shine yet, that you would illuminate uh, where uh, we believe things that are true and where we believe things that are not true, and that you would set us free uh, from maybe burdens that we walked in here with, Lord, that you do not want us to carry. Uh, things that are holding us back or blurring our vision of you uh, that you have in your heart is your intent to sort of uh, correct, eradicate those things, to uh, set the captive free in the words of Isaiah. Would you come in the power of the Spirit and do that now, Lord? Our hearts are open to you. Uh, Our minds are centered on you. Our lives are for you, Lord. Would you come in your gentleness, and your meekness, and your love, and set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. As the world celebrates Christmas together in a few weeks, one of the key titles that we use to describe the baby that was born is simply, quote, the light of the world. Uh, A light appeared in the darkness, John says, on a specific night, at a specific time, in a specific place, bearing a specific name. But John is quick to point out that not only does this light or word or logos in the Greek, uh, not only does it have an eternal past with God and as God, but it also has a biblical past. Uh, rooted in the story of creation and the people of God. Uh, A light appears in the darkness, but not without history or context. In fact, there is a rich biblical history of God's light, dating all the way back to creation itself. 
In the opening verses of Scripture, at the very start of your Bibles, we see the Creator God at work, uh, full of life and light within Himself, and from His creative power comes more life and light. The God who is full of light, as His first creative act, calls forth more light. And later, He places lights in the sky, uh, to separate the light, uh, the light from the darkness. And then he calls forth life in all of its various forms. But that life is dependent on the life that, or the light that is in him and even dependent on the physical lights which God has already created. Uh, from here, as the story progresses and sort of zooms in on the story of Israel as God's people, God reveals himself to them as one who is full of light. In the burning bush with Moses, uh, as a pillar of light in the desert night, as fire on top of Mount Sinai, he is full of life and light. Uh, But even the things which come from him are then said to be light. The law given at Mount Sinai, the words that he speaks through the prophets that form the library of Scripture. Uh, The Bible talks about these using the language of light and darkness. Here are just a few examples. Uh, The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes, the psalmist says. Uh, For this command is a lamp, this teaching is a light. Uh, Your word, God, is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Uh, And hence, the Old Testament writers can say, uh, Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Uh, This speaks of God's presence, of God's kingdom in a sense, uh, but also of God's word revealed in Scripture and through the prophets. In fact, even the prophets themselves are talked about in such a way that they are lights sent by God. Uh, John the Baptist, the last uh, prophet in the long tradition of the Old Testament prophets, is himself a light. Uh, Years later, Jesus says, quote, John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. The prophets provided some form of light to the people, and yet all of these provisions of God's light, Mount Sinai, the law, the prophets, the promises, God's presence, manifested in the wilderness and in the temple, God's wisdom and moral light that he gave to his people, the words of scripture, all of these were pointing forward to the true light. The prophets spoke of a time that would come in the future in which God would manifest himself uniquely among his people, bringing light uh, in and through the Messiah, who himself would be full of light. Here's a couple examples. Again, uh, Balaam of all people, all the way back in Numbers near the beginning of your Bible, prophesied this. He said, I see him, but not now. 
I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. Uh, The prophet Isaiah, centuries later, said, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Next slide. Again, the prophet Isaiah says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and His glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Creation and humanity are groaning and laboring under the curse of a fallen world, uh, under the tyrannical reign of Satan, who smothers everything in deep darkness and confusion. But there is this promise of a great light, greater than the law, greater than the prophets, uh, a light that outshines them all, the one we've been waiting for. And hence, John says in the verses we read this morning, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And notice that language of true light. There were many previous lights that God provided for his people. Provisional lights leading up to the true one. There were also many false messiahs that arose over the years saying, I'm the one, I'm the Messiah, come and follow me. We would call these false lights. But John says, in this moment, the true light of the world is coming into the world. This baby born in a manger in Bethlehem is the real deal. Uh, The fulfillment of all previous lights. The fulfillment of the law. The embodiment of God's wisdom and moral light. The bringer of a new and better covenant. The one responsible for original creation. Now stepping into creation to start what we would call new creation. To set that in motion. All of this, John says, is is contained in a body, in a baby, in a manger. Here and now, he says, a light has dawned. And there are just two dimensions of this light I want to highlight this morning. And the first is that the light is full of life. Uh, John says, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And even in this language that John uses in the opening verses, you can see that life and light are are bound up together in him. Jesus says himself, I came to bring life and life abundant. It's flowing out of me. I want it to be flowing out of you. Uh, The light brings life. Uh, And just as the physical light that God created in the form of the sun uh, is both the source of a biological life on our planet, uh, and it is the means by which we see. It is both of those things. He's saying the same is true of Jesus. Uh, Jesus is the source, uh, not just of biological life, but all spiritual life and all eternal life comes from Him. 
So he's the, the source of those things. It flows out of him. There is this life that is bound up in his light. When the light that is Jesus shines into our lives, uh, touches us, fills us in a deep and meaningful way, it inherently brings life with it. It imparts life into us. If you are in his light, you have eternal life. So first, he is the source of life, both temporal and eternal. Uh, There's nowhere else that we can go to find true life, though, of course, humanity tries really hard to find it in other places, to find what we would call life that is truly life. It can only be found in him. But the second implication that I want to highlight this morning is that Jesus is also the means by which we see. Every human being has to decide, as a a result of being human and older than three years old, we have to decide some basic questions. What do we believe about God? Does he exist? Does he not exist? Is he good? Is he not good? What do we believe about ourselves? What does it mean to be me? What does it mean to be human? What is the purpose of human life? What is my identity? How am I going to navigate? What is life all about? What's the best way to live it? I've only got one life in the here and now. How do do I think about it? How do I navigate it? We all have to answer these questions, but Jesus, as the light, illuminates these things for us. Throughout Scripture, there is a moral, spiritual dimension to light and darkness. Light brings life, as we talked about a moment ago, but it also brings sight and clarity and understanding and wisdom. Uh, the, the darkness brings death, uh, but, but it's more than that. It also brings confusion and blindness and frustration and immaturity. Proverbs 4 says it this way. It says, the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Uh, there's, there's a moral, ethical, spiritual confusion in the darkness and when we live outside of the light life just doesn't work the way that it should we don't flourish there and as individuals and and as a society even uh, we keep sort of tripping over things and stumbling and struggling and we aren't sure why why is life not working the way that we've designed it in the secular age i don't understand I think we're experiencing that on a cultural level right now. I mean, for starters, we we literally call ourselves a post-Christian culture. Meaning, hey, I'm over it. Whatever any religion, in particular Christianity, like whatever that has to offer, we're rejecting that. It didn't work out. We're going to attempt to move past it. That's what post-Christian means. I'm ready to move on. Let's make our own version of the good life. Let's design our own utopia with no religion and no rules and no objective truth. You just sort of get out there and follow your fleshly impulses and just see how it goes. You go and and do you and don't let anyone 
tell you that you're wrong. There is no right and wrong. You do whatever impulse you find in your heart. And if you need to answer life's biggest questions, all you have to do, according to the secular frame, is just look within yourself. Just look within your own heart and maybe Google a little bit on the side and you'll figure it out, okay? You'll find your way through life. You'll know what is true and what is false and so on. Uh, let's, let's tear down every marker that we have of uh, divine revelation or objective truth. And let's redefine what it means to be human. Uh, let's redefine life and marriage and sex and gender and purpose and, and pleasure and all of it. We'll come up with our own definitions of these things and we'll place what we call uh, the rational autonomous self on the throne of our own lives. We make up our own version of life, our own purpose, our own utopia, our own truth. Don't let anyone contradict you in what you've planned for yourself. Uh, but within this world, we become very mixed up. Uh, we've become very confused. We don't have any divine reference points left with which to navigate life. And it becomes difficult to tell the darkness from the light. Jesus himself says, hey, if you live in darkness and you claim that it's light, you're in big trouble. Like you're, you're really confused at that point. And the problem is that it's, it's not working. We, we sort of just come up with this new vision, this, this secular, progressive, utopian vision of the good life is, and that doesn't work that's thrown out Jesus in the kingdom, is it any wonder then that we stumble over things on a societal level and we don't know what we're stumbling over? We're saying, hey, life just isn't working. The deeper you go into that mentality, the worse the fruit. And this is the part we don't like to talk about on a cultural level, but the deeper we go, the more loneliness, the more confusion, the more anxiety, depression, anger, outrage, all the stuff that's just oozing out of our culture right now is, is the fruit of, of the mentality of the paradigms that we've adopted. As a society, we're, we're constantly, not necessarily intentionally, though sometimes, but we're constantly sort of charting our independence from God. Trying to, to break free of all that, and yet, uh, we're, we're dense enough that in the process we can't figure out why life isn't working. We're going to reject God. We're going to wipe him clean from our society and start fresh, but we can't figure out why life isn't working. And, and in our confusion, and in that darkness and spiritual confusion, we say, let's just try harder at the same thing we've been doing. So, huh, this, this should work. We've designed it right. We've designed this utopian vision without God, without objective truth, without all of this stuff. It should work. And if it's not working and we get this bitter fruit from it, let's just try harder. Let's just go deeper down that road. It's because we haven't gone deep enough. That's why it hasn't worked yet. One example of that would be to think, hey, if I just um, sleep with enough people or sleep with the right person, then all of a sudden I'm going to feel fulfilled. 
the deeper you go, the more empty it feels along the way. That's one strand, one version of the mistake that we're making. No, I'm just going to keep going deeper and deeper and deeper, and I'm going to trust that something's going to snap into place when I get deep enough. So we've designed this new world with no objective truth. There's no up, there's no down, there's no right, there's no wrong, no clear beginning, no ends, no hope, no future, and we call it liberation. Hey, come with us. Free yourself from that outdated junk from the past. Come be liberated. Come be free like we are. Come follow us into the darkness. That's where you'll find freedom. And Jesus comes along and says, actually, that's slavery. Paul says, don't you know that you're a slave to the one that you obey? Whether you're a slave to righteousness that leads to life or a slave of sin that leads to death. Jesus says, I've come to bring light, to open the eyes of the blind and to set the captive free. When Jesus announces, when he stands up in the synagogue and announces his own job description, it is bringing people out of darkness and setting them free from captivity at the same time. That's what the light does. As the light shines in, it sets people free from our own often self-created prisons. And I had this experience in my life when I encountered Jesus. Uh, For the first 20 years of my life, I was a self-proclaimed atheist. I had read about that. I had thought very carefully about that. I thought it was intellectually defensible. And as a result, I was very much in the world and of the world. I was shaped by the world, by the culture, by its thinking, by its way of life. And, And I honestly didn't really think anything was wrong. I felt a little bit empty now and again, but then you think, well, that's just life. Like life is just hard. We're all going to just feel, you know, kind of empty or purpose or or a lack of purpose now and then. It just seemed normal. Uh, But then for me, there was this uh, time, this season of life uh, when when that light began to break through, When, when the light and truth of God began to pierce through that darkness. You can imagine uh, living in a very uh, cloudy day. Or, uh, it's, imagine, I lived in Seattle, so every day was a cloudy day. It was just solid, you know, but you don't realize it. You're like, oh, it's just a normal day. This is just life. And all of a sudden, if you've had that experience, like a beam of sunlight comes through the clouds, and you realize like, oh my gosh, like we've been living in darkness for the last nine months. Like it's not supposed to be, like there, there was this, I had that experience, but on like a spiritual level. I was like, this is just life. It's a little bit gray. It's a little bit dull. Just deal with it. Uh, And then this this light began to break in, and it was of a different uh, quality, of a different type than anything else. When the light of Jesus comes in, it sort of separates light from darkness. All of a sudden, you realize, no, 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 I don't have to live this way. And, And you sort of begin to wake up and realize, I had this experience of realizing, I've actually been walking in darkness. I thought it was just normal. Like I, thought, I thought this was life. And yet now I see this light, and by comparison, everything else that I've embodied 
and embrace, whether it's my views around sexuality or money or what it means to be successful, my own self-centeredness, all of it was patterned off of the world. I was, I was in a very dark place. But you don't often notice that until the light breaks in. If you've ever had that experience of, of dreaming, but you can't really tell it's a dream, you like kind of think it's real life when you're dreaming, something feels a little bit off though. You know those dreams where you're like, this isn't quite right, but I think this is real. And then you wake up. You realize like, oh my gosh, that wasn't, that wasn't real at all. Like that was so weird. Why did I even think that was real? For me, that was the experience of light breaking in to my personal darkness. It was sort of this wake up of like, oh my goodness, I've been stumbling around in the darkness and I just thought that that was normal. I got to have that experience of I, I, was, I was lost and, and now I've been found in the light. I was blind, as we sing, but now I'm free. I can see. And that, for us as followers of Jesus, that is a, that's a one-time event, stepping out of, out of darkness and into the light. If you've never done that before, that's the invitation this morning. It doesn't have to be some big dramatic thing. It's just saying, Jesus, I believe you're the light. I want to step into that. I want to follow you. And for us, that's a, that's a one-time thing that happens when we step out of darkness and into the light, out of our old life. We repent of the old and embrace what God is doing in the new. But it's also a lifelong journey. Of stepping further into the light of allowing the light and truth of God to permeate deeper into our lives, of accepting Jesus, of knowing Jesus as the way and the truth and the life, who slowly goes and transforms and overturns all of the junk that we carry within us. So as I followed Jesus, there was, there was a moment when I came to faith, when I said, yes, Jesus, I believe that you died for my sin. I believe you're back from the dead, that the tomb is empty. That's, that for me is stepping out of the darkness and into the light. And in that moment, I can say, I'm no longer truly walking in darkness. I do not belong to the darkness anymore. I belong to the light. That's a very transformative uh, moment. But then after that, um, I, I've been on this journey of accepting more of his light, of accepting more of his truth, of saying, God, I believe what you say is actually true. And it's funny, it sounds funny to say that out loud, but we have this moment where we say, Jesus, I believe your Lord, that the tomb is empty, that you're resurrected from the dead, that you're coming back again. But then we can follow him and not really believe that the rest of it is like, okay, I believe you're back from the dead, but I don't really believe what you say about life, Jesus. Which is kind of weird, but I think most followers of Jesus actually end up in that place where we have to grow in sort of believing. I actually believe, Jesus, that your way of life is the best way of life. Not, not everyone who calls himself a follower of Jesus actually believes that. We're torn between competing visions of what the good life is. What is the good life? Where is it found? Well, we're torn. Is it actually the stuff that Jesus says or, or is it what the culture says? So this is a, a journey that we're on. Do we believe that his way of life is the best way of life? Because it flies in the face of what the culture thinks. 
about money and, and sexuality and success and busyness and speed and how you treat your enemies. Completely opposite. But Lord, I, I actually think your way is better. I actually think your way of life is the best way to live. That, that's a journey. I don't know anyone who just in a moment 100% accepted that. This is an ongoing journey because the reality is that we all walk around with lies that we're wrestling with. I don't care if you're in the room, you've been following Jesus faithfully for 50 years. Still, at that point, there are lies that we wrestle with on the one hand. Uh, lies that blur our vision of who God is and who we are in him. Uh, our, the enemy comes along and loves to undermine our vision of Jesus, undermine uh, how we see ourselves in Christ. So we have uh, that on the one hand. We have these sort of lies or misconceptions about who God is, about is he good, is he not good? Who am I in him? Am I actually forgiven? Am I actually free? Do I actually have power over sin? All of these many, many things that become true of you in Christ, but we don't totally believe. If we're honest, we struggle. Okay, there's, those are lies that blur our vision of ourself, our identity, and God's identity. It's a simple way to think of it. Who is God? Who am I? That gets blurred with the lies that we carry. Uh, and then on the other side, we all wrestle with temptation, Right? Even Jesus was faced with temptation. I imagine he was genuinely tempted in those situations. Uh, but we all, we all wrestle with temptation. And if you think about, uh, like if all of us could stop and think right now, like what is uh, the greatest uh, lie that I wrestle with when it comes to God and myself? And we've all, we've all got probably several that we carry. I have these things that I wrestle with that I carry. So we have that on the one hand, but then I could also ask, hey, what is the greatest temptation that you wrestle with? Like, honestly, it might not be kind of the cultural stereotypes, what we think we're supposed to be tempted by. But for you personally, what's my greatest or most recurring temptation? Well, in the same way, behind that temptation is a lie. It's a lie about where life is truly found. And, and the, the, we're more likely to cave to that temptation if we believe the lie about where life is found. When that lie is sort of brought into the light, and this is, this is where it all comes together, that Jesus is the light by which we see, and he illuminates these things for us. So as we bring these things into his presence, then all of a sudden we can discern these things well, I've been carrying this stuff about uh, or these, this vision of God that's very grumpy or very condemning or very standoffish or very non-existent or whatever it is. And then I see the truth in the light of Jesus. I've been carrying these lies about myself that I'll never be good enough, that God will never truly love me, that he's forgiven those around me, but because of what I've done, he can't forgive me. What, whatever that, that thing is that then cripples your ability to walk with Jesus in joy. We have those on the one side and his light brings those to life, illuminates. No, that's actually false. I don't want you to carry that. I don't want you to think that way. And on the same hand, it, it, on the other hand, it illuminates what's behind our temptations. If we keep those temptations in the dark and kind of keep them to ourselves, I know from personal experience, it tends to kind of grow and grow and grow. And we think, okay, life really is found there in this thing that I'm tempted toward. 
But Jesus said no. Like he said, no, don't grab hold of that life. Just stay with me. And it's kind of stale and it's kind of boring. And, and it's, it's just sort of this empty religious thing. But just do it because that's what I told you to do. That's actually not what God is like. He's actually saying, no, no, in me, I came to give you life and life abundant. I want you to flourish. I read, I read somewhere last week or the week before that sin, the heart of sin, is not trusting that God is after our deepest happiness. That, that's where we go wrong. God, I don't believe you're after my deepest happiness. I don't believe that you're after my greatest good. And then we go, no, the greatest good is actually in this. It's actually in glorifying yourself or projecting a certain image or, or in watching a certain type of video or, or in adultery. That's, look, look what, this is where life is found. Oh, but Jesus said no. Oh, but he doesn't know. He does, this is where life is. There's, there's a lie behind our temptations as to where life is truly found. And, and so part of what it means to, to follow Jesus, to walk in the light, is, is to have those things illuminated within us. It's to say, God, I'm going to bring this into the light. This is what I believe about you. This is what I believe about myself. This is what I honestly believe about where life is found. I believe it's found out there in what the culture says. I just do. But Jesus, would you show me the truth? Would you... Would you illuminate the deeper, truer reality. So as we uh, contemplate this morning uh, light coming into the darkness and what that light means to us, um, it's, it's not just the imparting of life. That's beautiful that we're sort of found half asleep, half dead, spiritually dead, and his light brings us to life. There's, there's life in, in its rays, so to speak. As we receive that light, it brings us to life. There's that side of it. Um, it's bringing life into a dead world, but it's also the giving of sight to a blind world, to a world that is stumbling around. Now at last, because the light of the world has come, we don't need to stumble in darkness. We can see more clearly than ever, this is who God is. This is what he genuinely thinks of me. This is who I am, according to scripture, even though I don't feel like that this morning, even though that's really like an uphill battle for me to believe that about myself, it's just true. And, and his light illuminates that for us. And Jesus, here's, here's what I'm genuinely tempted by. Here's because behind it, I honestly think that's going to bring me life. I honestly believe that that's where life is found. And so we're on this journey of walking together as a community in the light and having the light of Jesus um, set us free from those things. But this is a journey, right? This is something that happens over time as we live life with God and others. So uh, as we close this morning... Uh, I want to create some time and space to just, uh, for all of us to ask a few questions of ourselves. And these are the questions. Uh, first one is very general. Uh, what does it mean for you to walk in the light? Don't even feel constrained by what I've shared this morning. Just think, just you and God, what does that mean for you to walk in the light in all of its various uh, forms and implications? Question number two, 
What truth about God or your redeemed self, if you're a follower of Jesus, do you find the most difficult to believe? Um, God already knows, so he's not going to be surprised, right? It's like, oh my gosh, I don't want to write this down. I don't want to say this out loud. He's like, I already know that that's, it's there. You might as well. Uh, and then the third one, what is your greatest or most consistent temptation? And can you spot within it a lie about where abundant life is actually found. Um, so we're just going to take some time this morning and um, camp out here and think about these things. If you have uh, a journal or a Bible, you can have that open. If you maybe want to take notes on your phone, you can do that. Um, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to take some time to um, sit in these. Jesus, we praise you, Lord, that you came from a, pr- a place of... Um, inexpressible joy, inapproachable light, um, incomprehensible in beauty and majesty, and you chose to be born uh, to a teenage mom in a dirty stable to come into the the grittiness uh, and confusion of human life in a fallen world. And we praise you for that, Lord. Nobody else would have done what you've done. Uh, but you lowered yourself to our place. You embodied, uh, came as the light of the world, and now by your light we can see. So would you come, as we prayed before, in your, in your, in your meekness, in your gentleness, with grace and with truth, and would you come to liberate and set us free? Jesus, more than, any, more than perhaps any other generation in human history, more than any other human society that's ever lived, we are, are powerfully shaped uh, by people that we've never met before. Our likes, our dislikes, our view of ourself, our view of God, our view of reality is powerfully shaped day in, day, in, day out, hour by hour, uh, by forces that come through our phone and our televisions and the culture at large. Uh, people who do not know you who stumble in darkness and say, come follow me. I will show you where life is found. God, our our souls, our hearts, our minds, our our paradigms are deeply shaped by these people and these forces. Would you come as the one who liberates, full of grace, full of truth, full of life. Come now, whisper to us, and set us free. In Jesus' name going to take about 10 minutes or so. So go ahead and take your time uh, and begin walking through these questions and we'll worship together in a few minutes.